Cowboys 23, Giants 16. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeaKeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinny, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we suffer the first loss of the 2022 season, the first loss under the Brian Dable era. The Giants fall to 2-1. And, and on Monday Night Football, this was a frustrating loss, Justin, uh, because this was very winnable. But I also do think it was a reminder after that 2-0 start that the roster is nowhere near there yet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, tough loss, but the way the game kind of went down, Bobby, I feel like it went down exactly the way it needed for the Cowboys to win and then vice versa for the Giants to lose. Um, the great news is is that Daniel Jones played a great game, and I mean a, a really great game. We're going to talk about that after having a really first two rough weeks. Like, imagine what this game might have looked like if Jones didn't do what he did tonight. Uh, another good news, I feel like coaching kind of kept us in the game, but the bad news is basically everything else. Uh, I, I feel like with Jones having a good game, we are really humbled by this wide receiver room since we didn't really know where we kind of stood with Jones having two bad games and missing some wide receivers down the field. We saw what happened when Leonard Williams missed one game and the Cowboys front seven just kind of feasted all day. So I was unfortunately like almost right on the preview pod when I said that the final score was going to be 23 to 17. It was 23-16 set for the Cowboys. It just felt like this was going to happen against still a really talented Cowboys team. Yeah, very talented defense, and they they definitely showed up defensively. Um, they were able to put 23 points up on the board uh, offensively, which we'll, we'll talk about. But you mentioned coaching, and, and we'll get into the Daniel Jones stuff and the, the stuff that fell apart around him, is that I did like the coaching in this game. You know, uh, with, with Wink Martindale, you got to go back and, you know, to pull a coach quote, watch the tape to see exactly what was happening and stuff, because obviously Cooper Rush was went 12 or 13 in the second half. But offensively, I really liked what Mike Kafka did in this game more so than the first two weeks. Like, they yes. knew that the front of Dallas was going to be an issue. They gave tight end help as much as they could, which led to some, you know, block and release catches for Daniel Bellinger. It was a lot of play action, RPO, free release stuff. But at the end of the day, this is a game that's about Jimmys and Joes more so than X's and O's. And they just could not block. Like, they could not block at all. Daniel Jones was pressured 24 times today. That's the most pressures since they started tracking pressures in 2009. The most in a single game. We just witnessed a, a QB get pressured in a game that was that single where, game. Where is that? I'm, I mean, I'm just curious. Because uh, I'm not. It, oh, so ESPN. Okay, so it's not even like PFF that like overestimate shit. <laughs> yeah, like ESPN stats and info. Like that's the since they've started tra- tracking pressures in 2009. Oh that's the most God. times the QB's been pressured. Um, and not only was it that the wide receivers let him down, it, it, almost even more so because at least Daniel Jones, with all the pressure, was making it happen. You know, like we joke about the whole make that it happen phrase, thing. He yeah. was he was making it happen. Like he was, he had seventy-two rushing or seventy-nine rushing yards. He was escaping. Even there's times where he was throwing the ball away, where it's like that was an impressive play by Daniel Jones, just throwing the ball away. Yeah, you know he made tight window throws, was keeping his eyes downfield when he escaped, and it led to some uh, some tough passes. Like he played awesome today. Um, you know it doesn't mean he's the franchise QB, and it doesn't erase the first two games. But he played awesome today, and everyone around him, besides Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley, let him down. Yeah, one hundred percent. And like I said, just imagine what this game is like if Daniel Jones doesn't do that. Like, I don't. I don't even know if they. They. I don't even know if they have three points on the board. Like really, think about what this game looks like if Daniel Jones doesn't do what he did. I mean, defense didn't force any turnovers. Um, yeah, tight window throws, and the and the really screwed up thing is, Bobby, two of the most impressive plays, at least of Daniel Jones' season, and then I think especially that play tonight, um, who was on the receiving end of it? Uh, the OPI. Kenny Galladay. So, no, no, it wasn't It wasn't Galladay on the receiving Galladay end. Galladay caught it. Was, it. it was, oh, yeah, so it was Galladay. Yeah, Galladay was 0 for 3 tonight, three targets, zero catches. So I guess that was his technically his one catch, but it doesn't count. Um that was like one of Daniel Jones's most impressive plays like of his career especially when you consider that it was impro- it was you know improvised it was escapability moving out to his right and then evading that 
pass rusher that's coming. And, you know, how often have, at least I've said, I don't think it's Daniel Jones's overall strength, his ability to improvise and escape and then throw on the run. I mean, he he did that tonight, and that was one of the most impressive plays definitely of his season. So now it's two weeks in a row where Daniel Jones has, like, awesome improvised plays, and they just don't count for anything in an offense that is really, really struggling to get anything of 10-plus yards and anything, like, beyond the sticks. Yeah, I mean, he just improvised like – I mean, every almost every single play was improvised besides, yeah, you know, be. the – you know the play, you know, like some of the the you know play action boot or the RPO stuff. Like basically everything was almost every single play was improvised by Daniel Jones because there was nothing open, and then there was a ton of pressure in his face. You know the the pressure throwing that ball to Richie James was just like oh my gosh, I can't believe that throw. And like you said, the the throw to Kenny Galladay, there was other tough throws, ones that ended up being dropped. The pressure was huge, man, and. He like it. It just sucks. It sucks to. It, I hate this feeling more than any f- feeling in the world, especially now that we're in year four. Daniel Jones, his fifth year option declined and stuff. It's so frustrating, especially it seems to happen on prime time more than not. Whereas like this Daniel Jones gutsy performance, and it just gets wasted in a loss. You know, and this was a winnable game for the Giants. So I just it sucks that this performance was wasted in a loss. Like I'm so tired of having those conversations. And the other sad thing is. It's not going to get better. What what improvements are coming to the Giants wide receiver room? I mean, Sterling Shepard, which, I mean, I guess we can talk about this now too. Sterling Shepard, yeah, he had the drop pass. That really sucks. But just more importantly, I think his career may be done. His Giants career is definitely done. You know, we'll wait and see what this diagnosis is on the left knee. But, I mean, the fact that the guy was jogging, and <laughs> barely even running. He got hit by a sniper. It, it's crazy. So I mean that that's just gut wrenching because Shep is you know obviously a guy that struggled to stay on the field, but I mean a guy that we've rooted for for years, and you know he's he's the last giant of like the Jerry Reese era, and the last time that we actually were winning, and he's been you know Mister Reliable in terms of Daniel Jones throwing it to him like on third downs and a chain mover. We love Sterling Shepard, so it just sucks to see, especially you know he worked really hard to get back from that Achilles injury, but went. When is it when is it gonna get better for Daniel Jones throwing to these wide receivers? It's not. It's not. Unless they go out and they sign somebody, which they're not gonna do, at least like, you know, they're not gonna go out and get like T.Y. Hilton. They're not doing it. Cole Beasley could could actually come down the pipe. But yeah, yeah, it's not but here's the where it can get better is you're not facing the Dallas front, which is menacing yeah which they do Um, have a top five defense i mean you know and you you, we talked about on the preview pod how they've done a great job of adjusting and doing some things different not just relying on turnovers this year that was a huge question for dallas are are they going to be a defense such as feast off turnovers but and they can they also get stops outside of that and you know dallas missed a couple turnover opportunities today so and they still got the stops do you want to talk bad wide receiver play or bad o-line play i think bad wide receiver play i mean I, i flat out um I think that's what the, – the game comes down to, you know, maybe a 50-50 split. But at least in my brain, in my opinion, just at the game, seeing that all 22 wide perspective, even when Daniel Jones improvises and gets out of the pocket, nobody is getting open. So, Yeah, it, you know how – like, and that's the nice thing about playing on primetime is they they show you great replays of what's happening down the field. And it was like every time it's like, okay, is there going to be some somebody that Daniel Jones missed? Nope. Like, never was somebody that he missed. Sterling Shepard had the one big drop at the end of the game that, uh, you know, looked like a fumble. He had a drop on third down. Jones threw the ball a little high, but that still was, it was like literally right in his hands on a third down. Um, he had five catches for 49 yards. On 10 Gold targets, had, too. It's very, it's very rare for Shep to have such a low catch rate. I mean, it's a 50% catch rate. So. Yeah, that's not that's not what we usually see out of Sterling Shepard, and two drops is a big part of that. Kenny Galladay, who we we said something's got to give with him. He has two drops. One was just egregious. The other one, people you may not call it a drop, but it was that fourth and four. Uh, they run the slant. Cornerback, uh, you know, uh, drives on it to the insides, and I thought Jones had to put that like kind of behind Kenny Galladay, or else it either gets broken up or intercepted, or at least the cornerback is getting hands on it, and it's a tough catch to make, no doubt. 
But Kenny Galladay, like, we need you to make those tough catches. You know, and he got his hands on it. It came in hot, but it's a fourth down. We need we need guys to show up in those moments. He doesn't get that. Um, he can't talk anymore. Like we talked, about, like huh. we talked about. Like I'm, I, I said, I was, I'm holding, I'm holding out judgment for Kenny Galladay until the regular season starts. Well, week one, he looked horrible, looked horrible, had no get off. Week two, they only play him two snaps. We talk about how something has to give, something has to give. They either have to play him, or they have to find a way to move on with this guy. They might have found their. I mean, Kenny. Gall, what can Kenny Galladay say this week? You know, what can he say if week four they bench him and don't play him? What can he say in the press conferences after that? Because he has not performed at all. Like he has been, he has been just flat out bad. He's been a flat out bad wide receiver, and like drops, drops are more are are like worse in the public like public view than not getting open. Because Kenny Galladay can say, well, I've never been a guy that's gotten open that's lived off of separation. But what you can't have is Mr. Contested Catch guy dropping basically everything that's thrown his way. I I don't even know what Kenny Galladay offers that's good at this point. Like, what is what is Kenny Galladay good at? Unless they start throwing back shoulders, which we have not seen, like, I don't know. Because he can't, he can't get off the line of scrimmage and and get and stack cornerbacks anymore. He can't. He's he looks worse than like last year. He he looked better last year. You know, like last year was a limited offense as far as scheme wise. This year is just he just doesn't fit and they're not going to throw back shoulder. They're just playing off of him and he's not able to get any separation or even get like a step to, you know, open up a window for him. You know, so like you can't you can't throw the ball deep to him cuz they just play off of him and he's never going to get past that. David Sills sucks, falls, leading to an intercept. Like, they got the ball back, and it was like, hey, this is a long shot. Completes a pass to James Jones, completes like a 15-yard pass to Richie James. David Sills runs a dig, falls, ends up being an interception to Trevon Diggs. You know, he had two catches for 20 yards in this game. Kadarius Tony, always, like, he's injury prone. Like, last year was not an outlier. He had, like, six different injuries last year. Gets injured in training camp. Uh, then gets put a questionable on on the 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 injury report for week two. Plays in the game, looks pretty good when he's out there. Daniel Jones missed him a couple times, and then he's down. Then he's missing practice and out for this game. Like we need a we need a wide receiver. Like the wide receiver room is is bad, and you just can't trust. Like similar to Sterling Shepard, just the differences with Shepard seems to be more serious injuries. Where Tony is like these little ones, you just can't trust. Like you can't really plan on Kadarius Tony because he's always injured. He is an injury prone player. It, it sucks because I'm so it's so exciting when he is out there, and it's hard to hate a guy for being injured. But he's just injury prone and he can't be relied upon. I mean, I said it last week, and I I, I don't think I'm wrong. The Giants legitimately have one of the worst wide receiver groups in the NFL, and that's why like I want to start off with talking about the wide receivers first. Because I at least think the O-line, I think, it, like like you said, it's a little bit of an exception when you're facing that Dallas front seven. This is not going to get better for these Giants wide receivers. It's not. And even when Wandale comes back, how much how much does that change things? Like, he, That's he's another still thing, Wandale. He's still going to split reps with Richie injured. James. Yeah, Richie James has been your only reliable one. Like, and they're not, I, and they're not embracing – by the way, they're not embracing – they should embrace more – Richie James being the focal point of the passing offense. And it's not – at this point, it's not a joke. Like, during the summer when I was saying summer of Richie James, Richie James season, blah, blah, blah. We didn't even do a PPP of him. How rude. Um, yeah, it, During the summer, it was a joke. Now it's not a joke. It's like he's the only one that really when Daniel Jones kind of improvises, he kind of finds and sits in zones, sits in, you know, sits in spots and gets open. I mean, he's the only one that gets open. It's not a joke anymore. They have to center – the passing offense around him. Also, and that's a bad spot point, to be in. Yeah. At what, also, at what point do we stop talking about David Sills and Kenny Galladay and just say, hey, you know, we have a wide receiver on the outside who actually has speed when none of our other guys do in Darius Slayton. Like, they have no they have no deep threats. Right. They don't have a deep threat. There is no respect for the Giants to, to, get, to beat, get beat deep. Like, honestly, we thought it was bad with – Garrett, and this is not a referendum on Kafka or Dable. It's not because no, I, I like the job that Kafka I 100% agree with you. Where I was like, cool, 
I'm like cool about this game. I'm like really, really cool because man, is this wide receiver room going to be drastically different next year? I, like, I think the only two that are on the team is Wandale, definite, and then like maybe Richie James because I think that they like him and maybe they'll keep him around. But I mean, there's going to be every single other wide receiver. I think is going to be different. I don't. I really don't think Tony's on the team. Different conversation for later down the road. There's still a long season left, right? But um. Yeah, man, this wide receiver room is still going to be so different. I feel like the offense is going to be different. The future of Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley is up in the air. So all those things are up in the air. But, again, we headed into this season saying that we want to see coaching. We want to see good coaching. We want to see good schematics. And we saw it on Wink Martindale the first two weeks, and then we started to see it, especially on this side of the ball, on offense. And it was crazy impressive because of how bad the offensive line was. Like, just their ability to move the ball. They were moving the ball better in the first half, even though they only had – three points they were moving the ball better in the first half of this game they you know, they should have had six because graham could no block field goal but they were moving the ball better in the first half of this game than they were at any point of the game of either of their first two games of the season so i really loved what kafka and dable did um i honestly forget what my overall point was but well, it's uh, just at, at the end of the day you can't you can only scheme up stuff so much like correct you have to have oh guys no we were talking about uh, you, uh, you, deep you place back to slayton uh, but let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna finish this up, and then I'm gonna throw it back to you. Um, you know, you're talking about Slayton, who takes the top off. There's only so much that you can do when, again, you just you, you can't produce a play of ten plus yards unless your name is Saquon Barkley or unless Daniel Jones is running the ball, like you know, and then taking on a, on like a, a a QB non-designed run. They they can't produce a play of like ten or fifteen yards or more. And when you run so many plays in a given drive, you're just they're eventually going to stall. And that's like exactly what happened in that first half. They ran so many plays that by the time they got to the 30-yard line, shit would just stall. Somebody holds, you take a sack. And credit to Daniel Jones, too, that whenever he took a sack, I felt like it was like four yards or less. So that's also credit to him. Even though he got sacked five times, that none of them were really like drive derailing. So, um, yeah, they got to play Slate more, man. They really do. Yeah, and, and like we said with the coaching stuff, like eventually you got to run some drop, just drop back passing. And but I think Kafka did as good of a job as he could scheming around the issues. Let's, so let's talk about the offensive line. It starts with Evan Neal, gave up three sacks. Um, it sucks to see the sacks and stuff, um, but also I think Evan Neal could could benefit from eating a bear burger. Wow, I, I think that's totally correct. It would make him stronger, and and listen, is is Bear Burger a burger joint? Yeah, but they're not the type to be bogged down by labels. Their menu is filled with options for everyone, regardless of your preferences. So whether you're 100% vegan or you're craving one of their elk burgers, they won't judge you. At Bear Burger, there's only one restriction you'll be limited to: food that makes food that's made to taste great. Something for everyone. Yes, even you. <clears throat> They take burgers very seriously at Bear Burger. Their menu is filled with options for all. Build your own creation and let us know. Let us know John Boy sent you and then tweet it at Bear Burger for a chance to win Bear Burger gift card. I think the old Dave Gettleman account uh, got a gift card. He from did. That. He won. So, so do that. So so continue to do that. Uh, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. They got a lunch special, a choice of select sandwich served with fries for $14.95. That's a good deal. They've got the Elk Burger, Bison Burger, Ostrich Burger. Click the link in the description to find yourself at the best happy hour, tastiest burgers joint, and overall great spot. Order.bearburger.com. You'll be glad you did. Oh. So, uh, Evan Neal gave up three sacks. But to me, if you're like, if you've been watching the Oilers reports, it's nothing new. It's the same issues. He just faced a better front in Dallas, and they were able to take advantage of his play. He And this is the same stuff we saw in training camp. This is the same stuff we saw in the preseason and the same yep. stuff we saw in week one and week two. It's the same exact stuff, just the Cowboys uh, uh, made the exploited most. Exploited it. Yeah, exploited it the most. Is that he's got to keep his feet moving through contact. You know, like he, there's the stuff he's got to work with his hands and stuff, um, but his just – he gets to the block and gets connected to the block, and his feet just like stop. He's got to keep his feet moving through those blocks, man. He's really struggling with that. And obviously, it's his third game, so like 
don't overreact. Let him grow. Well, you know, we just had the same, you know, a very similar experience with Andrew Thomas, even though I do think Andrew Thomas was a better prospect than Evan Neal. Um, but, let you know, let him grow through this. But it does suck to watch, like, Evan Neal just give up three sacks in a game. And now four sacks in three, three games. You know, where I think Thomas gave up six his rookie year. Um, so he's just got to keep his feet moving through through the contact of the block. Because he's, they're just stopping. They're just stopping, and I, I don't know, I don't know why. Like he's, I've seen him, you know, I've seen his move his feet through blocks, but it's just, he's, he's got to realize, man, in the NFL, you can have your hands on guys, and and you you just got to keep your feet moving. And it's it's starting a little with his punch, but I think the the focus for them has just got to be all in the footwork. Like, don't worry about your punch and stuff like. Worry about it, but don't focus on it. Just footwork, footwork, footwork. Get. Like almost, you could even like tie his hands behind his back and just be like, "Let's do pass sets. Let's do pass sets where you just gotta you gotta beat this guy with your feet." You know, so it's yeah. it is frustrating to watch, but it's also he's a rookie who's gonna have to he's gonna have rookie struggles, and we'll talk about Kayvon who's gonna have rookie struggles too later. But never fun. But also plenty of pressure up the middle as well. Again, you don't you don't have the most pressures um, since they started counting pressures. Because just of Ev- because just because of Evan Neal, like I-, I don't even know where to pinpoint on the inside. Whether Feliciano, Gowinski, Bredesen, like it's just it was just nonstop all game long. Yeah, well, you know there were there were a couple highlight plays where Micah Parsons is just throwing Glowinski to the ground and running through him like he's nothing. Um, that I will say that one wasn't Glowinski's fault as much as it was. Like I think Tanner Hudson was on that, and he kind of just threw Micah Parsons into Glowinski when Glowinski wasn't looking. But I think uh, Matt Matt Breida was run over at one point too. Um, the Cowboys Thomas had, got beat inside on that, but yeah, Breida got run over. Cowboys had a total of twelve QB hits, which is pretty insane. One, two, three, four, seven different players had at least one QB hit. Four players had at least two QB hits. Demarcus Lawrence had three. Uh, Donovan Wilson as a safety had two QB hits. Dorrance Armstrong had two QB hits. And then Micah Parsons had two QB hits as well. DeMarcus Lawrence had three sacks. Um, so DeMarcus Lawrence was the was the main guy who did most of the damage, three out of the five sacks. And I was hanging out with uh, you know, my buddy Boker, who's uh, you know biggest Cowboy fan I know. And you know that was like DeMarcus Lawrence's best game since like 2017. So um, Yeah, Cowboys, that's the thing. is It's not yeah. like... It's not like this is the Demarcus Lawrence that we knew the, in those years. Like he hasn't been a great pass rusher as of late, and he but he's a vet and he knew how to take advantage of Evan Neal's weaknesses, um, and he really did that. Um, and the so and the it, and the weird thing is is that they had they had Parsons a decent amount. You know, maybe maybe not as much as I, as I'm thinking, but Parsons was off the field for a decent part of tonight, and then. You know, he was lined up as an interior linebacker too for a good amount of snaps too. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just uh, Micah Parsons lining up on the edge, and then, you know, maybe the Giants are doubling him. You know, chipping a tight end to that side. So the Giants had a decent amount of opportunities where Micah Parsons was not lined up on the edge, but Cowboys were still able to kind of wreck havoc. And they did ch- like use the tight ends a lot to block. They did, you know, yeah. and and they used them in blocking releases. And you know, Daniel Bellinger had four catches for forty yards, partly because of that. Like they use it's, it's not like they didn't try. It's not like they just went, you know, Cincinnati Bengals Joe Burrow style. Like we're going empty. Like they they tried. You know, they kept the running backs in. They kept the tight ends in to help. And it was just they could not get they could not get like protected up, and it was pretty bad to watch. Before we move to the defense, I do want to say Saquon Barkley continues to look really good. Obviously, he had that 36-yard rushing touchdown, 14 carries for 81 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, four catches for 45 yards, and he had a 20-yard 20 20 screen called back Yep. where Feliciano was three yards upfield, which sucks. I don't really like when O-linemen get called for illegal man upfield when they're three yards upfield. Like Usually, that's somewhere in the buffer zone, but it's it, so... You know, again, an- another game where he has 126 yards from scrimmage. Uh, really, the only guy who can just make stuff happen. Like any anytime, anytime the pl- the play was blocked halfway decent, Saquon made something really good out of it. Whether the 10 yard run, eight yard run, and then obviously the 36 yard one was the best. And then when 
when it was when it was blocked really bad, Saquon good did a good job of getting two or three yards, which is what we've wanted out of Saquon. He's looked like a different back, um, and I think we're getting the most out of him on a down in down out basis. Yeah, just to have that repeat of a Tennessee performance like so often in a season. That's the problem with kind of just relying on a running back to kind of carry your team because that's just not going to happen. Um, but say, no, good on Saquon Barkley. And, you know, that that kind of 30, 30 yard touchdown was an insane run. Um, I think it I think it's going to look a lot more impressive when I actually watch a replay of it uh, on TV with all the different angles. And when I watch it on all 22 versus just seeing it in person and just celebrating it in the moment. Um I kind of want to see him involved in the receiving game more outside of just screens. I know it was a really fun route that he ran the first drive of the game, and it was called for defensive holding. Should he have caught that ball, by the way? Yeah. I feel like that would have been like a 15, 20-plus yard play. This this team isn't good enough to leave 15-plus yard plays on the table. So whether it's Saquon kind of dropping that ball, which I'm not really going to fault him on that. You know, It was an automatic first down. Or John Feliciano being three yards down the field, and then that screenplay being called back they're just not they're not good enough to not capitalize on that and especially with these opis two weeks in a row too so well that was the f- most frustrating thing about the offense is like daniel jones makes something happen one two three plays and then it's like nuked yep. you know drop Can't have it sack tackle for a loss um why don't you read an ad and then we'll talk about the defense yeah new sponsor new sponsor true Classic. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. They have the absolute best, and I mean absolute best, fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Not to mention they're super soft. Two things I like and quite a combo. Best fitting tee, because there are sometimes that our shirts are really tough. And then also super soft. I like that combo. When you're jacked, like I am, well, saw that, wait, I'm super jacked now. Finding the right t-shirt can be incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are too tight in all the wrong places, or they're way too big and boxy. So if you're spending countless hours at the gym, why not spend five minutes to find out that perfect fit? True Classic has already helped over 2 million men get their fit on at an affordable price. Our listeners, they can get access to the absolute best deal that True Classic offers. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the code GIANTS at trueclassic.com. You know, girls have push-up bras. You know, that's that's what they have. Well, guys, they got these tees. We want to show off our best assets, but we've never been given the perfect fit. Guys, you're wearing the wrong clothes. You need True Classics. Snug around the arms and chest with a little extra room in the bottom to streamline your style. One of my favorite things, for any of the big boys out there, they have long body options for the tall guys and triple x sizing so it's about time to get your fit together upgrade your wardrobe with true classic at 25 percent off at trueclassic.com with code giants free shipping included on purchases over a hundred dollars that's 25 percent off at trueclassic.com with code giants strengthen your core road wardrobe with true classic today you'll be glad you did all right, the defense gave up 17 points in the second half after only getting out six in the first half. Cooper Rush went 12 of 13 in the second half, which I was kind of blown away at that. Um, this to me was just like, oh yeah, we still we don't have very good players on defense. Um, we had no pass rush, like none, zero sacks. Um, essentially two games with zero sacks. I hate that. I kind of hate that the Timon Fox sack from week one because it was like he was tackled like at the line of scrimmage rolling is that, out. That's, is that the only sack? From week one, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, then Julian Love had a sack. So let's go through the sacks. No, last week there was two, O'Shane Zimenez and Julian Love. But there's two okay. games now they went where they didn't have a sack. Yeah, that's, um, that's so not So they great. had no pass rush and they could not stop the run. And I, I guess we could start with the run game. You missed Leonard Williams big time. Like you, you really miss Leonard Williams big time, and it makes you appreciate what Leonard Williams does in the run game, and not get focused on well, how many sacks did he have this week, how many QB hits did he have this week, even though that's even though Leonard Williams needs to produce those. They had 178 rushing yards on 28 times, 28 carries, 6.3 yards per carry. So not only is it like a big rushing yard number, which it absolutely is, but it's like 
they were able to hand the ball off 28 times and feel confident about it every single time. Like every every single time they handed the ball off, it was essentially it was not a negative play. Like they did not have negative plays. Um, the the only one was when Xavier McKinney came down and played linebacker. That was really the only negative play they had rushing, uh, rushing the ball because they were able to take advantage of this defense without Leonard Williams. And honestly, in the other years, the the past the past three years, you lose Leonard Williams, it's still a big loss. But you have Austin Johnson, B.J. Hill for, for one of those years. Um, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson obviously was was there before. Uh, I have never heard of the defense alignment that they called up from the practice squad that like played Henry the majority Mendo. of the snaps. I, I have never heard of him. He, I was surprised how many snaps he played. Henry Mendeau, Nick Williams, Justin Ellis is not very good. Um, like Justin Ellis is only good when you have him at no tackle and Larry Williams and Dexter Lawrence on the field. Like they just don't have any depth at that D line spot. Like it's it's it went from one of the biggest strengths depth wise over the last few years to one of the biggest weaknesses depth wise. You don't have that. And what's more frustrating is how bad the linebacker play is behind it. First, Tay Crowder can't scrape over blocks. He can't take on blocks. He didn't wrap up on that Ezekiel Elliott goal line run. But also Kalitra, man, it's it's I can't stand him. And he got benched, by the way, in this game. And he rightfully so i've never seen such a bad gap responsibility on him on that long tony remember that the long tony pollard run yeah he's just he's going to play his gap justin ellis is playing his gap uh you know underneath it and he decides like well before tony pollard gets to that to the level where austin calitro is that he under he undercuts it yeah like 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 with a good four yards between tony pollard and that block he undercuts the block and leaves the gap wide open, and then Tony Pollard breaks it off for forty yards or whatever it ended up being. I, I I had never been like, why didn't you like, why don't you fill your gap? And again, we're talking about Austin Kalitra. It's one thing if a guy who's out there is a playmaker, you know, it's like, hey, I'm going to try and undercut this and make a play on it. You're Austin Kalitra, my man. You weren't even on a, a roster when training camp started. Play your fucking gap. God, that frustrates me so much. And I know it frustrated Wink Martindale. They benched him after that. Like, they flat out benched him after that. Mike McFadden played after that. Had a good, a couple good plays, but nothing special. Like, like play your gap, dude. Like, that, that's the type of stuff that frustrates me more than anything. Like, I'm not going to be, when Henry Mundo gets beat down the field on a double team, I can't be too mad at that. But when a guy who is not a playmaker doesn't play his gap, Come on, man. And you're 28 years old, bounce around the league, play a freaking gap. Like, that's the difference of points right there. It's the difference of points because he got, he got selfish. And, and it wasn't even like a good calc, like, like risk. Like, I didn't see the reward on it. You're like, you're not fast. You're not able to slip those blocks. That was so, so frustrating seeing Austin Calitro just like play selfish football for no reason. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons why. Really, the only reason why I was a little hesitant on the Giants' defense heading into this game, and this was going to still be a big test for the Giants' defense, is is it sustainable to stop teams on third down and four to go and shorter? Where 66% of the time through the first two weeks of the season, the Giants were stopping teams on third and four and shorter. They were stopping them 66% of the time, including 0 for 3 on third and ones. Well, tonight, Dallas was 5 for 8 on third downs between 1 and 4 yards. And then, technically, 6 for 8 if you include them going for it on fourth down, and they were 1 for 1 on fourth down. That third down, you know, before the fourth down that they went for it and they got it, it was a third, it was a third and 4 and shorter. So, that was the main test tonight for this Giants defense is, you know, can you force Cooper Rush into third and longs where the defense, you know, where the opposing offense gets super predictable and you know what's coming, and they couldn't do it. Um, you know, I think Leonard Williams not being on the field is obviously a huge part of it, and hopefully, he kind of comes back sooner rather than later. But you know, I, that that's the one thing that I looked at through the first two weeks of the season, saying, can this be sustainable when you f- are forcing teams into third and short? Can Wink Martindale continue to get off the field? And at least for tonight, Dallas was basically six for eight on third and downs uh, and like four and shorter. It's hard to say if Wink Martindale like did anything where it's like, oh, that was a bad play call on that. Um, Brian Dable mentioned it in the press conference, and it looked like this too, is that in the passing game, they took advantage of some switch coverages 
uh, where there was either bad communication or just like, hey, they, they took advantage of it. You know, that's, yeah, you get it. You saw some exotic looks by Wink Martindale, but with Cooper Rush, he gets the ball out very quickly. And I think coming into this game, he had the second quickest time uh, time to throw in the NFL. Uh, so that stuff doesn't work as well. Um, so again, I'm, I'm not, I think this is more Jimmy's and Joe's and X's and O's with, uh, with Wink Martindale on the defense. And we'll talk about the pass rush in a second. But we, I guess we can talk about the pass rush now. Cooper Rush, anytime he dropped back, he had all day to throw. Like, we could not get pressure at all. And it's kind of frustrating when you get Kayvon and Aziz back and you don't, like, the pass rush doesn't get any better. Yeah, we were hoping that maybe they would take advantage of, you know, some offensive line play that hasn't been the same for the Dallas Cowboys over the last couple of years. I know, you know, Aziz got close once or twice. You know, I think maybe Kayvon got close once. But, I mean, the Giants had two QB hits, and one was O'Shane Zimenez. One was Dexter Lawrence. And reminder, the Dallas Cowboys had 12 QB hits, and about, you know, six different players, seven different players had uh, had a QB hit. So, um, frustrating. I mean, this is, you know, it, like you said, I mean, you know, it comes down to talent, this game, where somebody's got to win. Somebody's got Wink Martindale can't just manufacture everything. Somebody's got to win, and I think if there was a game to start relying on guys winning up front, um, it was it was this game. So, and obvi- again, when we're talking about rookies, it's don't Aziz, overact, Aziz you know? isn't a rookie. I mean, I, I you know you're coming back from a well, knee injury. I'm, t- I'm about to I'm about to talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. Let's talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. Like he was a zero. He was a zero. And the frustrating part about it is that, like, you were facing Tyler Smith on a lot of those plays. And Tyler Smith is a rookie. You know, so, like, I wanted to see him win some of those. And Aziz had some some wins, but he just didn't have the impact that he needs to have. And those guys were on a snap count and coming off injury, so I'm not going to go too heavy on them unless we get a bigger sample size. But they just – Cooper Rush had all day. And, again, you saw, like, Cooper Rush had no velocity on the football. Like, he had no velocity on the football, but he was able to get some chunk plays because he had all day to process stuff. And, and the, the Giants' back end isn't great. You know, like, they're not going to be able to hold up forever. You know, you had Fabian Moreau and Cordell Flott and Darnay Holmes playing a ton. And uh, C.D. Lamb got the best of Adore Jackson on on a few plays. Like, you know, C.D. Lamb had eight catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. You know, and, and that, that, uh, that touchdown. Like, Adore Jackson wasn't, like, uh, an issue, but... He came, you know, he was human in this game where, you know, the last 10 games before this, he was like, it was otherworldly what this guy was doing in coverage. So, you know, you face a guy like CeeDee Lamb, you know, the Dory Jackson's not going to be able to keep everyone into one catch in 10 yards. You just can't rely on a guy to do that. And so they took advantage of switch coverages and you have no pass rush and it makes it easy for a backup QB to look good. Yeah. Tough. Tough. I mean, I, I mean, again, you look up and down the defense, and you know, was Tay Crowder a long-term answer? No. I mean, Austin Calitro? No. I mean, there, there's going to be so much that's going to be different, like up and down the board for this team. I mean, even just looking into next year, you know. So I, I, I don't want to get into like that kind of talk, but I just look up and down the roster, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm evaluating how you play. I'm evaluating how you play. Um, Tough. Yeah, it's a good reality check for like, okay, this roster is not there yet. Like two and zero was fun, and again, I we when you talk about losses, it's it always sucks. But you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not disappointed with the first. Like, I'm very excited how this these first three games went. If you ask yeah, me I mean, before the season, these first three games, how three, like you said, this is how the first three games are going to go. I take it every time. Yeah, and not to just totally jump the gun on this game recap pod, but as I'm walking out of the stadium, you know, the game that we're talking about is Chicago. It's like, all right, you know, yeah, this game sucked. We were in it to the end. Dallas Cowboys have a really talented defense. The way that the Giants lost this game was the way that I think if you talk to Giants fans before the game, this is how we were going to tell you that we were going to lose. It was going to be, we were going to allow them to run all over us. And... The Giants' offense just isn't going to do much because Daniel Jones is getting pressured and the wide receivers can't get open. That is exactly how Giants fans will tell you that they would lose this game, and that's exactly how we did lose this game. So now, like, my brain goes to a bad Chicago team. 
And, you know, how can you recover from it? You know, when something goes wrong, this is the first thing that's kind of gone wrong in the Brian Dable, Joe Shane era, at least on the football field, right? How can you kind of recover from it and rebound from it when Chicago has a really, 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 really bad team? So that's like where my brain immediately, as I'm walking out of the stadium, I'm going from, I cannot wait to get back in the stadium next Sunday. We are still two and one. How can we get three and one? Yeah, and I think a big part of it is we talk about the pass rush. Kayvon, Thibodeau, and Aziz Odorari need to be better than what they were on Monday yeah. night. Yeah. They flat out have to be better. You can't have that. You can't can stack performances like that. Like Kayvon Thibodeau, I was just waiting. I was just waiting. Like, I want to see a good pass rush rep from Kayvon Thibodeau, and it just never came. Like, it, with Aziz, you saw him here and there. With Kayvon Thibodeau, it never came. So, first, now Chicago is. It has this very weird offensive line where they're amazing run blocking and god-awful pass blocking. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic goes. But we'll see. But we have a preview pod on Friday to get it on that. Is there anything else you want to hit on the defense before we talk about Lawrence Taylor uh, hanging oh. out at the tailgate? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, Aaron Robinson's probably going to be back. Hopefully... Leonard Williams maybe will be back, even though he suffered like the same injury as Kayvon. Leonard Williams is such a beast. Like the fact that there there was like a question on like, oh, will Leonard Williams play? Like he was on the injury report, but there was like still like a question like later in the week, even though like I think we all knew that he wasn't. Um I hope he plays. I mean that he he's such a beast, man. If he if he comes back, I mean remember that he suffered a season ending injury last year and then he kind of came back from that, didn't miss a game. Inside joke. Um, want me to talk about the Candlewick Diner? Yeah, talk about Candlewick Diner and and all the the food they they provided for us. Yeah, I mean the 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 tailgate today, Bobby, was like more chaotic, at least for me personally, than like FanFest. Like at least fan well, I got fest. like twenty DMs, be twenty DMs or mentions like where's the fa- where's the tailgate at where's the tailgate at where's the tailgate at and I replied no, every was, single one. It was so cool. It was so fun. Like um, it, there were there were even some of these uh, they were like college kids or you know whatever they were like you know they they interviewed me and they asked me about MetLife and I talked about like the character of MetLife and then I talked about like John Mara. And I, oh, why did you say this about John? I said, like, John Mara is the Giants, and the Giants are John Mara. And he's like, why did you say that? Well, I'm like, well, you go back to the history and Wellington Mara and how the Maras used to, like, run everything from top to bottom. So, I mean, there were a ton of people that came up. Dan Schneier hung out. I kind of exposed him online because he wasn't wearing white. Dan Schneier's the reason why we lost today. He was, like, the only person in our tailgate that didn't have white on. Um, tough, tough look. Um, there were a lot of people that didn't have white on, but he was the only one in our tailgate. But it was su- super awesome. Like, Candlewick Diner provided so much food. Food, an amazing spread. Um, sausage of peppers, penne vodka, wings went right away. Mac and cheese was to die for. That went. Um, so Candlewick Diner, they're gonna also going to be catering the Washington game. Uh, that will be the game that Bobby will be up for in the month of December. So come out to that. But even if Candlewick Diner isn't catering every tailgate, I still want you to go and check them out in East Rutherford, New Jersey. They're celebrating their 53rd year in East Rutherford this October. Located just a mile up the road from MetLife Stadium, it's the perfect spot for a pregame breakfast or a post-game dinner, and you might want to have a drink too. They have a full-service bar. Might want to grab a drink, especially if the Giants are going to start losing some games. They're not going to do that anymore. And it's a spot that's frequently visited by Giants players, particularly even after games. So I want you to check out the Candlewick Diner in East Rutherford, New Jersey, for all your diner favorites. Thank you to Candlewick Diner for being so awesome for us uh, catering. Our tailgates, you know, they did FanFest too. They're going to do the Washington game. So thank you to Manny and the Candlewick Diner. How did Lawrence Taylor end up at our tailgate? So, I mean, it, 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 I guess it looked like that he was at our tailgate, which is cool, but he was not at our tailgate. He was at a private event. And, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, um, Lawrence Taylor had a drink or two. Um, and by drink or two. No, not Lawrence Taylor. Uh, by a drink or two, maybe like. 20 um he was he was at this private event probably getting paid a shit ton of money to be there um was not on the field for you know when they were doing like the giants like legendary like legends like introductions like in the beginning of the game was not there he was up in like a suite and then they showed him in the middle of the game which is which is rare. I don't think the giants He was on they showed him on the field before in pregame on Oh TV. so he was on the field pregame. Yeah. 
Okay, I didn't think he was there because I didn't see him, but I knew. But they showed him on the big screen during the game too. So no, but I ran into LT. He was at this private event, and I, you know, there was a, you know, there was a little bit of a barricade, and you know, there were a few other fans that were up. You know, he was signing stuff, taking pictures. I tried to get him to say, "Go out there like a bunch of crazed dogs." That's like my favorite. That's like my favorite quote uh, from him, and they play it like every game and like the hype video for the Giants. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazed dogs and have some fun. Um, so that's what LT says. Um, I tried to get him to say that. I think he was uh, a little a little too faded to really know anything that was going on that outside of what was coming out of his own mouth. Cool guy. Um, LT, like greatest of all time. Greatest football player to ever put on pads. Took a picture with him. It was cool. You posted it like five times. Yeah, my service was really bad. It was one of those moments where it just started. The service just started to get really bad at MetLife in the parking lot. And it's one of those posts where it's like, motherfucker, this needs to post right now. Like, it it can't wait until right before the game, right when I get in Wi-Fi. This fucking needs to post right now. And lo and behold, I posted it like five times. I liked your tweet. Yeah, I knew exactly what it Well, at first I saw like your tweet and it had like 500 likes in like 10 minutes. And then I saw it again and I was like, why does it only have 75 likes? And then I, was, and then I saw it again and it had 25. And then I went to your page and I'm like, oh, that's what that's what happened. Just bad service. Um, so it seems like the tailgate was a good time. Like it, it you know, I had a little FOMO uh, watching, you know, seeing seeing the video. It seemed like no, there was an insane amount of people. Had a good time. There, it was, there was an insane amount of people. So uh, thank you to everybody that came out. We're doing it every game. I mean, like I said, we're not going to have like food at every game. Um, you know, if that if that kind of if that kind of turns you off. But I mean, bring your own food. And I mean, there's, I mean, a shit ton of people. You have snacks is original like L16 crew that hangs out. You know, and I and I consider those those people family. Um, we all got our Talking Giants tailgate crew shirts. So we tried doing a blackout on a whiteout. You know, <laughs> didn't work. But uh, I mean, tailgates are the most fun part of Giants games. I mean, even when they win, I mean, they're just the flat out the most fun part, the funnest parts of Giants games. We all get excited together. We all celebrate together. And you never know. LT may just be like a, a couple hundred feet away and then you can like see him. You never know. How uh, how was my cousin? Your cousin was fantastic. Did not know that you had family members that were Cowboy fans. Um, your cousin was very, very nice. She was very, very nice. Yeah, um, I, di- I didn't know she was a Cowboys fan either because she messaged me like, are you at the game? I was like, no. Um, I was like, I was like, but go check out our, well, like we have food and stuff. Go yeah, check it out. And then she sent me a picture with you and I'm like, why are you wearing a Cowboys? I think her boyfriend <laughs> or somebody is a Cowboys. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, yeah, she, I think she was with her boyfriend and then the boyfriend's father and stuff like that. So they, they were really nice. We were, we were talking about, I was giving them some stats on some stats that they can share with like Giants fans next to them during the game and be like, did you know that the Giants have given up two 10 plus yard runs this year and Leonard Williams was not on the field for either of them. So it's like, you can tell like you're, you know, the, the Giants fans that are nagging you next to you that the fact that the Cowboys are probably going to run the ball really well. And they did. So no, they were really nice. And uh, they, they were actually the ones that told me that LT was there. Like I saw them talk with them, took a picture and then they left, and then they came back to tell me that LT is just a couple hundred feet away. So then I went, and I'm like, Julian, let's fucking go. Let's let's go see LT. So, worded up. Sounds like it sounded sounded like a good time. Worded um, up. All right, so we'll be back on Wednesday for a mailbag pod. Um, no, I'm that's a lie. Be dealing or Thursday for a mailbag pod. Sorry, Thursday. I forgot they were I forgot we're dealing with Monday Night Football. By the way, I'm about to get hit with this hurricane. Yeah, Julian may not. In, in turn, Julian's actually. Uh, Julian, come here. Come here. You have to show us the fit. Like this is this is fantastic. Julian took the whiteout very very seriously. So Julian's flying back down to Tampa or Orlando. Orlando. I'm going to Orlando, but my family's from Tampa. And yeah, we're screwed in Florida for sure. Oh, Tampa's straight. gonna get yeah. lit. Up. The West Coast is gonna get I can't lit. Hear Bobby up. At all, but yeah. Yeah, look at this. I mean, just the thrift, and then see if you can get like a, a leg up here. Listen, Dayball said bring white. Like I'm, I I brought the white. He brought the white. Yep. Yeah, no doubt about that. No doubt. Um, I'm about to get lit up by this hurricane, though. Um, but you're not afraid, though. No. Well, here's the only thing that sucks is that it'll mess with my workflow. Mm. Like I like the hurricanes to come in preseason, not in the end season. Where Bobby's at in Florida, 
it's going to be fine. It's going to be gnarly weather, but not too much different from Florida standards. Well, if I lose power, I'm going to have to do the podcast on my phone in my car. That's true. Oh, great. But me and Can't Danny are going to do me and Danny are going to do a live weather uh, video. Oh, like, really? We hook him up on the Streamyard, and I'm I, I can do Streamyard on my phone too, and go do live weather reports. So you're going to be like in the field. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be a, a field a, reporter. A field reporter. So I can't. Um, I'm actually I'm actually really excited for that. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens. Um, so we'll be back on Thursday for a mailbag pod. We'll have O line report, film review, all that good stuff. Out I'll this do week. the O line report this week. Imagine that. God, oh god, the O line report's gonna suck this week. But but watch, make sure you make sure to watch it. Maybe I'll do I'll one do of it. those old school like let's just go through all the. No, there wasn't enough sex to do that. All right, we'll 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 be back on on Thursday for a mailbag pod. We appreciate you guys, and we're gonna go three and one. We're gonna go three and one. So so flush it out and let's win some games. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go big. Blue.